Now, the biggest battle that we will ever face in life, and I will do my best to tighten this in a way that you really get the maximum impact from this, our time together here. But the biggest battle any of us will ever face in our lives is a battle for our identity, our identity. Identity is everything because it is our identity that has embedded in it our destiny, the identity of who we are, the mark of who God made us to be has and contains within itself the fullness and destiny of what we're of what our potential is. And it's just like a seed inside the seed is everything that will emerge from that seed inside of an apple seed is an entire apple orchard once given the room to grow and to evolve into what its destiny is. But it all starts with how God designed it. God didn't design an apple tree to produce oranges. He didn't design an apple seed to produce orange trees. He didn't he didn't design an apple seed to produce pumpkin patches. He designed an apple seed to produce apple orchards, apple trees and apples. And inside of you is a simple identity as one of God's beloved sons or daughters. And the devil is working overtime in our culture to blur our identity, to confuse us about our identity because he's smart and he is the more cunning of all the beasts in the field. The Bible said that the serpent was the most cunning and the most crafty, which means that he was the most deceptive and the, the way to he used intelligence to trick, to fool, to deceive. And we need to understand that the devil has not changed. He's the same. He's still the liar. He's still the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy. And we have to be be aware of what he's going after. He doesn't try to crush our destiny. He tries to confuse our identity because once confused and once uncertain, there is no destiny that will emerge out of a confused identity. And so what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to muddy and clutter and confuse who God simply made us to be. And we have to understand this, that identity is everything. Who am I is the question that every one of our subconscious minds are asking. And it reminds me of this amazing verse in Ephesians, chapter one, verse 11. And I'll read part of this to you from the message Bible. And it says, for it is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And we will never. And this is this is the embedded identity and destiny in one verse. It is in Christ. We find out the two most important things, who we are and what we're living for. Because when you know who you are, you will discover what you're living for. What you're living for will evolve the more you recognize and realize who you are. Who you are is your identity. What you're living for is your destiny. And he goes on to say, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he already had his eye on us. Come on, somebody's got to say amen. 
He already had his eye on us. He already had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and in everyone. This beautiful verse tells us the secret to fulfilling our purpose, to finding our destiny. It is all rooted in our identity. Our identity is our root and our destiny is our fruit. Our identity is the core of who we are. And our destiny begins to unfold and materialize as what we are living for. And then I found this another verse, this another amazing, amazing verse about this, about this very thing in first Peter, chapter two, verse twenty five. And I want to read this to you from the Message Bible as well. He says you were lost. This is a this is a, I'm sorry, first Peter, chapter two, verse five in the Message Bible. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. Maybe if I have that verse wrong, please, you guys can find that. But I but I, I love the way this is worded. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. You were lost sheep. At the end of this verse, he says, with no idea of who you are, or where you were going. Notice those two same principles, those two same core things of who we are and what we're living for, who we are and where we're going. And now we are no longer lost sheep. Now we've been named and kept for good by the shepherd of our souls. Can anybody say amen to that? So what we need to do is we need to understand the battle, the spiritual war that we're engaged in is a warfare against your identity. It is a warfare against who God said you are in the core of your being. The Latin word for defeat is something most people have never really understood. But when you realize what this word actually means and where it comes from, you will no longer take lightly who you are and what you're living for. The Latin definition for the word defeat is translated as the undoing of the self, the undoing of the self, the undoing of the self. In other words, we fail and defeat ourselves when we fall away from our true identity and who God made us to be. We fail when we start questioning who we are. Failure and defeat is found in unraveling and letting go of and forsaking or forfeiting the reality of who we truly are. Amen. And this is why Satan is fighting this so hard and trying to push so hard for people to get this confused and for people to begin to speculate about their identity when it is not very difficult and it is not a complicated thing at all. God made you. You were God's idea. And 
all of creation knows who they are. Even humans know who we are. But Satan is working overtime to confuse the church and to confuse the world and to confuse children. We cannot pretend this isn't happening. We cannot pretend we cannot pretend that this is somehow this confusion and chaos and the devil are not in bed together because they are. This has been going on from the beginning. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And if you could jump down to verse four, because she said, yeah, he said, if we eat it, we'll die. You will you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. 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 This is so diabolical. This is so evil because only two chapters earlier, God makes it very clear that when he made Adam and Eve, when he made man and woman in the likeness of him, they were made like God. They were already made like God. So the devil is always trying to steal from us what God already said about us. The devil cannot make you any less like God, but he can make you think that you are less than made in the image of God. And that is what he's doing. And it's not the first. That was the first time, but it won't be the last because we know that even Jesus was confronted by the tempter. I read this today in many translations yesterday. Today, I find in Matthew chapter four, verse three, when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, when Jesus is being tempted, I thought for sure the scripture says now when the for sure, the scripture says the devil came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But when I studied this closer, it doesn't actually use the word devil. It uses the word tempter. Now, when the tempter came to him, so we have to understand how the devil operates because he's telling us the secret to how the devil operates here. When the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. The temptation is not to turn the stones into bread. The temptation was to question who Jesus was. The devil wanted to get Jesus to question who he was. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not the son of God. Maybe I do have to prove something. Maybe I do have to do a miracle. Maybe I do have to turn these stones into bread to prove I'm the son of God. But Jesus didn't fall for that tempters, temptation. And we need to understand that is exactly what the devil is continually trying to do in our lives is he is trying to get us to doubt who we are, trying to get us to doubt our identity, because in the doubting of our identity will be the failure of our destiny. And we're not about to let the devil rob us of the greatest purpose for which God created us in his image for his glory and for your good. Wow. 
the tempter, wandering and floundering in life is exactly what Satan's intention is for humanity. But when you know who you are, you cannot be defeated. You cannot be defeated. You will fall. You will stumble. I will fall. I will stumble. But we will not be defeated because being defeated is summed up in undoing your identity. Being defeated is completed. Being defeated is absolutely guaranteed when you disconnect from your true identity made in the image of God as a son or a daughter of God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, as he is, so are we in this life. When Jesus knew who he was, he was giving us a path to know who we are. Notice a pattern in the Bible of those who knew who they were. In Exodus chapter three, verse 14, notice how God introduces himself. He says, for I am that I am. I am who I am. Who are you, Lord? I am who I am. I am who I am. There's so much there about who, who, who you will never know what you're created to do, do, do until you answer the question, who, who, who? Come on, Horton. Somebody's got to say amen. Notice how God introduces himself. I am that I am. I am who I am. Notice how Jesus introduces himself in John chapter eight, verse 58. Before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. So now we see God introducing himself. I am who I am. We see Jesus introducing himself before Abraham was born. I am. We see Paul introducing himself in first Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 10. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God, by the grace of God. I am who I am. I am what I am. Notice the similarities. They all knew who they were. Contrast this with what happens when you don't know who you are. And let me take you to Acts chapter 19, a very well-known passage of scripture that clearly gives us the contrast of what happens when we don't know who we are. Now, God was working unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 11 says extraordinary miracles so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Why do you think these evil spirits left them when Paul, when they touched Paul with these handkerchiefs? Because Paul is in the lineage of knowing who he is. It says in verse 13, then some itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So they were trying to make a living casting out demons. Let's see how they did. Because <laughs> you know the answer already because you read your Bible. 
We exercise you, we command you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Man, this distant cousin authority just doesn't work, gang. We exercise you, we command you by the name of the Jesus who Paul preaches. And these were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest. These are the ones who did it. And the evil spirit, verse 15, and the evil spirit answered back. Now, you know, it's going to be a bad day when you talk to the devil. <laughs> and he starts talking back. <laughs> you got to just pull that old school mother out of you and say, you better shut your mouth when the devil starts. When the devil starts talking back to you, you tell him, you better shut your mouth, devil. And the evil spirit answered and said, we know we know Jesus and we know Paul. But who are you? <laughs> and you know what? After that, no more argument from the seven sons of Sceva. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on to them. Now, this is their full time job. <laughs> Casting out demons. And the first time they try it in the name of the Jesus that Paul preached, it worked halfway. <laughs> the demons came out of the man, but the demons came on them. And it says, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, not even evil spirits, one spirit against seven men. And it says, leaped on them, subdued them, overpowered them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This dude took this. This devil took their clothes, took their money, took their house, took their everything. One against seven. You see, God knew who he was. I am who I am. Jesus knew who he was before Abraham was born. I am. Paul knew who he was. I am who I am by the grace of God. But these boys, how do they? How are they introduced to us? It's very simple. It's given away when it says whose sons they were, yes. for they were seven sons of Sceva. You know, we have to make up our minds that we're no longer going to see ourselves as the son or daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Hamilton, or Mr. and Mrs. Jones or Mr. and Mrs. Skiba. And we have to see that we are sons and daughters of God. At some point in your life, you must stop the generational curse, not by making your parents feel bad, not by thinking you're better, but recognizing that there is a bloodline from Adam and there is a bloodline from Jesus 
and we have to choose which bloodline we're going to align ourselves with, which bloodline we're going to affiliate ourselves with, which bloodline we're going to claim to be members of, which bloodline to declare that we are redeemed from the curse, we are sons and daughters of God, and as Jesus said and as John said it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, behold, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. When you just see yourself as the son of your neighborhood, the son or daughter of the family you grew up with, there's nothing innately intentionally wrong with that. But that's not who you really are. You really are a son or daughter of God. And upon all flesh, I will pour out my spirit and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You know, Jesus is the great equalizer. Jesus delivers us from sexism, racism, ageism, whatever other ism is out there. When he said sons and daughters, when he created them male and female, when he gave equality that he says that there's neither in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. In Christ, we are all one in him. We all have authority in him. We all can identify as a son or a daughter of him. When you now, when you fill out forms nowadays is the gender section, there's like 15 multiple choice questions now. I'm sorry I grew up where there was two. I understand this is a sensitive topic for many. But in, but when we ask ourselves what kind of child or gender we are in Christ, there's only two son or daughter. There's only son or daughter. There's not son or daughter, nephew, niece, uncle, auntie. Sister-in-law, cousin Fred, Uncle Esther, Aunt Esther, <laughs> Uncle Festus. <laughs> oh, the devil wants us to be confused about it. But there really is no confusion about it. Now, there is there is some gray in life. Life is not completely black and white. There is gray. And there is some on the spectrum. There are there are differences. Some men, sometimes they have some masculine qualities and some feminine qualities. Some women have some feminine qualities and some masculine qualities. And there, there is such a wide spectrum, but there are really only two categories. And the spectrum can vary without. And there can be a lot of empathy and non-judgmentalism in that gray area where people are trying to figure it out. But the only answer to this and the only solution to this is not to expect a kindergartner to figure it out. Yeah. 
a first grader can't be given the responsibility to figure it out. He's trying to learn his ABCs, people. We're ruining a generation by trying to create a question mark in their head about something that's already been settled. It's not a political position. This isn't a political position. This is absolute clarity from God's creation. There is no confusion in Christ. Whatever you're struggling with and struggling over or one of your loved ones are struggling with or struggling over, there's room and space for grace. We're not here to judge, but we can define how we're going to see ourselves. And we as a people, we as the children of God need to see ourselves as sons and daughters of God, not so that we can overpower genderism and all the things that are happening in this world, but so that we can have clarity for ourselves. What does God say about this? So that we can truly understand who we are, because the ultimate goal is not. See, the devil doesn't mind there all being this all this controversy and all, now there's all this confusion. And now there's just a cloud of, you know, um, the, the kid in in Pigpen and Charlie Brown, just this cloud of smoke that just fills the room, kind of confuses everything, muddies up everything. There's the only reason it's a, it's a distraction tactic from the devil to get us to surrender the clarity concerning our identity. It's just a distraction. It will never hold truth and it will never hold esteem in the in the minds and hearts of most reasonable people in the world. It will it will clutter it up for a while. It'll muddy it for a while, but it will never it will never prevail because truth crushed to earth will rise again. When these sons of Sceva identified with their natural heritage rather than their supernatural heritage, being sons of God, Five things happened to them in verse 16. The devil overcame them. The devil prevailed against them. They ran in fear for their lives. The devil had them on the run. The devil strips them and steals them, steals from them what they had. And the devil wounded them, leaving them in worse condition than he found them. That is exactly what happened here. But when you know who you are in Christ, when you know that you're a son or daughter of God. And I really didn't want to get caught up on the gender thing because. That really isn't the main point. The main point is we are made in the image of God and we are his sons and daughters. And when you know that. And even if somebody wants to be confused about that or somebody is confused about that, just be confident in this. And if one of your loved ones confused about that, just be confident in this. You're a son or daughter of God. We haven't figured out which yet, but you're a son or daughter of God. <laughs> Everybody can win in this situation. We don't have to win an argument. We got to win hearts. I just 
balanced myself. I went this way and then now I'm. But when you know who you are, now what did the devil do? He wounded them. When you know who you are, you'll be healed. Mark 7, 27 says healing is the children's bread. Healing is the sons and daughters bread. Healing is for the children to eat. Healing belongs to the sons and daughters of God. No longer can the devil wound you. Secondly, when you know you're a son or daughter of God, you can get back what was stolen from you. Just as the devil stole these guys clothes and everything they had, kicked them out of their own house. They are running in fear. You can get back what was stolen from you. Proverbs 631 says if the thief is found, he's got to repay sevenfold. Number three, when you know who you are, you can put the devil on the run rather than running from him. You put him on the run because the Bible says in James chapter four, verse seven, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. We're not the ones running. He's the one on the run. We're putting him on the run. We're putting the band on the run. We're putting everything on the run. <laughs> Nobody's going to know that except me and Neil and a few others. Jesus said, go away, Satan. In Matthew chapter four, he said, get behind me, Satan. In Matthew chapter 16, he said, give me back those keys, Satan. In Revelation chapter one. We got to realize that we don't have to be afraid anymore. We're sons and daughters of God. We don't live in fear. We live in love. We live in faith. It works because of God's love for us. You will prevail against the devil. In James chapter five or 16, could I just explain this for a moment? I know that we worshiped and prayed for souls to be saved today and had such a beautiful time in the altar. But I want to make this point. It says most people have misunderstood this verse in James chapter five. We know the part that says the prayer the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But, you know, there's this verse that has often confused me. And it's in the beginning of this verse. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now, if we are to interpret this verse as generally just confessing all of our sins to one another, that's all we'll ever be doing. But if we drill down to understand how these words are defined when they were written in the language they were written in, spoken in the language that was spoken in, written in the language it was written in, the word sin here in James chapter five is the word harmatia. Confess your sins, harmatia, one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The word harmatia is translated as the forfeiture of your inheritance, the forfeiture to forfeit the sin he's talking about here is the forfeiting of your identity. It's the forfeit. It's to forfeit your agreement to forfeit your identification as a son or daughter of God to forfeit 
your right to your inheritance as a son or daughter of God. The younger son said, just make me a servant. I don't need to be I, I'm not worthy to be a son. And the father said he silenced the son. He, he interrupted the son's speech where the son was starting to identify as a servant rather than a son. We're 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 servants with our hands, but we're sons in our heart. Right. We are sons in our hearts, but we serve people with, with our hands. We're we are. We serve people. We don't mind getting low and getting down and being the nitty gritty and roll up our sleeves. But we're sons and daughters of God. That's who we are. Serving is what we do, but sons is who we are. Daughters is who we are. And he's saying what we need to do is we need to admit where we have forfeited our identification and our right to the inheritance. The, the, the younger son was willing to forfeit being a son just to have a meal. The older son was willing to forfeit and said, I've worked for you all all my life. I've worked and labored and you've never given me a you've never given me a party. You've never killed the fatted calf for me. And the father said, my child, my son, you've always been with me. All that is mine is thine. In other words, as a son, everything that I own has always been yours, too. Forfeiting that. Where are you forfeiting your inheritance as a son or daughter of God? That's where we need to humbly admit and confess and say, help me pray for me because I I'm for I've been forfeiting my identity. I've I've forgotten I'm a son or forgotten I'm a daughter of God. I forgot I have this inheritance all the rights of the sons and daughters to cast out devils, to lay hands on the sick, to plant and to reap, to to bless and to be blessed, and to to give and to be given, to to speak and prophesy like sons and daughters are meant to and to speak to the dry bones, come alive. To pray with power like like Elijah prayed, to pray with power, to pray with authority. I have forfeited that. I've abandoned that. I've given that up. I've I've become a I've become a, a I've lost my sense of identity because as soon as you forget who you are, you'll start losing your way. When you lose your who, you'll start losing your why. You'll start losing your way. Let's focus on the who. Amen. And we will find our way. And we'll find our why. Come on, let's stand together. Since we already prayed for so many souls to be saved and join the family of God or get reconnected with God, man, welcome to the family. We love you. We're proud of you. Make sure to get one of these books on your way out. If you prayed that prayer, if you were up here or wanted to be up here, Power of a New Life, you can download it anywhere in the world. Go to lifechangerschurch.com slash salvation. You'll find this book for those that will be joining the Next Steps class. Get to it. We're ready. We're excited for you. We're proud of you. Honored to be a part of a spiritual family with you. And we need one another. We need one another. He said, admit to one another where we forfeited our inheritance. We need one another. All right. We need community. We need to stay together. We're better together. Right. We are better together.
Let's stay, let's stay together. Let's stay connected. I bless you and may the Lord bless and keep and empower and increase, satisfy you with all that is written for you and all that is ordained from before the world began in Jesus name. Amen. Go in peace. I love you guys. If you need prayer or anything else, come to the altar. Thanks for sticking around a little longer today. God bless us all and God bless you.